Welcome to another episode of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo with Colleen Daniel. She is broadcasting from home today, along with the entire About Mansfield news team. We thank you for being here today. This is episode 28, and coming up on today's episode, Mansfield news and weather for the upcoming week. And, as always, we will conclude this episode with the trivia question of the week for a $25 gift card to 360 Brunch House. Let's take a look at this week's headlines. MISD offers choice of online or in-person instruction for the upcoming school year. COVID-19 epidemic continues to spread in Mansfield. City Council seeks input from residents on city manager search. Early voting continues in Mansfield. County offers solutions on how to be mosquito-free this summer. Study shows kids who grow up with dogs behave better than those who don't. Alexa is here with the weather and we conclude our two-part interview with Mansfield Heritage Foundation President Dr. Christopher Ohan. We are Mansfield's only source for news talk and information. This is about Mansfield. Hi, this is John with Pool Aid, your local pool care specialist. With the exceptional amount of rain that we've experienced so far this year, spring is a vital time to clean pool filters, skim leaves and debris, and keep skimmers clean to ensure proper circulation as well as keep your pool sweep in good working condition. If you have any questions or concerns or need a certified professional to help keep your pool safe and clean, visit us on the internet at poolaid.net. That's poolaid.net. We're here for you. Hi, I'm Carmen McMillan, Executive Director of Mansfield Mission Center, inviting you to make our thrift store your one stop for shopping, donating, and volunteering. When neighbors buy your donations, the proceeds help other Mansfield neighbors in need with free services including financial assistance, employment help, food, medical, dental, and vision care. Voted Best Thrift Store in 2019 by Living Magazine, the Mansfield Mission Center Thrift Store is located at Broad and Walnut Creek. For more details, visit our website at Mansfield. Mansfieldmission.org. That's mansfieldmission.org. Hi, this is Teresa Cohagen, Director for Visit Mansfield, and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to About Mansfield. Mansfield ISD has decided to allow parents to choose what they feel comfortable with for their children this fall, online or in-person instruction. About Mansfield's Stacy Main reports. With in-person instruction, there are still many unanswered questions. Like, what would a return to the classroom look like? Will there be lunch in the cafeteria? Will there be recess or PE? Will the students have to wear a mask all day? And it's those concerns over the amount of restrictions students may have returning to in-person instruction that has many parents making the decision to do online instruction or even making a move to homeschooling. Maggie Grayson has been homeschooling her four children whose ages are between 6 and 13 for five years and offers some advice for new homeschooling and virtual learning parents. Maggie, how do you structure your day? What's some advice for structuring a day, whether you're doing online instruction or homeschooling? A lot of our day isn't necessarily a structure or a routine as it is in school. Um, we like to think of it more as a rhythm. So there's just a rhythm to our day um, upon waking you know, we do the normal things. We brush our teeth. We, you know, get breakfast done um, and chores and get our our area, whether that's, you know, in school or you have a homeschool area at home, just get the area ready to learn. My biggest thing that has helped us is to break away from like this very, very tight structure and allow us to just find a rhythm to our day. Some of my kiddos do better working right before breakfast and getting their schoolwork started then and others start later in the day. So just 
giving yourself grace in your kiddos space to really find a rhythm that works for them individually. So when we send our kids to school, we expect teachers to take on a lot of the discipline. And I know I found it easy with one kid and harder with another child to put the discipline down and make them sit down and, and, and do their homework, do their work. How do you manage that? A lot of what I feel is beneficial about homeschooling, um, and I'm not, we haven't ever done online schooling, but is that I get to really tune in and listen to my children about what they're telling me is right for them. So you really get to individualize and customize and kind of breed in them this, this desire to learn instead of it being a mandatory thing. So we took some time to break away from that really concrete structure and allowed them to really engage and, and learn to love learning again, instead of it just being something that they had to do. What advice do you have for some parents, especially as the subjects get a little bit harder, uh, what advice do you have to those parents that feel inadequate in subjects like math or science? Oh, for sure. I mean, motherhood brings about that inadequacy every day. I feel like, wow, do I have the tools that I need for my children? Um, reach out for support, just like we do in motherhood. There is so much, there are so many ways that we can get support. If somebody is homeschooling, I know that there are really great resources locally for tutors. And I honestly feel like I, we have a ninth grader this year and I feel like I'm learning ninth grade all over again. So just provide yourself some grace, dig in, don't be afraid to sit down and learn with your child. Um, and if it's too much, don't be afraid to reach out and ask for help. There's lots of um, tutoring opportunities in Mansfield. Um, and there might also be, who knows, you could, you know, help a maybe a high school homeschool student that is willing to help tutor your kiddo in math or science. When we talk about the different subjects, one of the issues that parents are, are concerned about if our kids do go back to in-person education, is we don't know if our children are even going to have CE. That's also a concern for, for online parents. Um, we have a trampoline in our backyard, so my daughter would go out there and, and jump for about 30 minutes. But how do we know that our kids are getting enough exercise and fulfilling that kind of part of the needed day? So we have, I think it's just setting some guidelines and, and boundaries in your home. We don't do electronics before two. That gives my kids plenty of space to learn and run and play and move their bodies before they want to um, engage in things that are more sedentary. So as a family, every morning we get up and um, we either do yoga or a CrossFit style workout together. Um, I think the best thing we can do for our kids is, is, you know, um, image to them what we would like for them to be doing and not just telling them. Uh, there's also lots of extracurricular sports that they could be involved in and just being more active on a whole instead of thinking like, oh, you have to get in this X amount of time like you would in physical education class. But just being more active as a family in general has been really helpful. And what about the socialization aspect of either homeschooling or online school, especially with, so, you know, so many people being cautious and, and the restrictions? And that was definitely something when we started homeschooling, I was like, oh, my gosh, I was unaware of the community that is available to those who are deciding to school at home or um, actually do homeschool. Uh, there are lots of support groups um, going to the park going anywhere. Our kids make friends super easily. My kids are also involved in a lot of extracurricular activities, whether that be music lessons or acting lessons. 
sports, gymnastics classes, all those things, they're able to connect with others. And I think it's beneficial. It's outside of their age group. So my five-year-old can carry on a conversation with somebody who's much older because they're used to being around kids um, and adults that are of varying ages. So we don't have to think of socialization just being, you know, is my student going to be around 20 other students their same age? It looks a lot different than that um, when you decide to take a step back and say, wow, socialization is really about how my child interacts in the world. Any final tips that you have for successful homeschooling or distance learning? Just to give yourself so much grace, we are going through this unprecedented time, and I know that parents are feeling some angst about making these choices um, and about what it's going to look like, and we're wondering if our, our children are going to be prepared. I went into homeschooling against my will, kind of like my children really wanted to, and it wasn't something I wanted to do at the time, um, and it's been the greatest gift. So if we can just give ourselves grace, know that even if our kids walk alongside us and do life and learn budgets and how to cook and, you know, math through baking and all those things, that there's so much life that they're able to learn just from us. So give yourself grace. It's going to look totally different for everybody. Your kids are going to do amazing and it can be the greatest blessing that you didn't even know that you needed. Well, I really appreciate your time and your advice. Thank you so much for having me. Registration for the upcoming school year begins July 17th. If you are choosing online instruction, you must complete and submit an application no later than July 17th. For About Mansfield, this is Stacey Main. COVID-19 epidemic continues to get worse in Mansfield, which is split into three Texas counties. Filing from home, About Mansfield's roving science reporter Dennis Webb has the story. Thanks, Steve. This week, the virus has continued its spread in Mansfield. We have a small number of active cases, but that number is increasing dramatically. And until we start having fewer cases each week, the spread of the virus here continues. On Monday, July 6, 2020, Tarrant County reported 327 Mansfieldians as having tested positive since the start. 143 of these are estimated to have recovered and 9 have died. Of the 327 total cases, we have had 85 new cases in just the past week, nearly twice as many as the previous week, which saw 44 new cases. We had two new deaths this past week. If you subtract 143 recovered and 9 deceased Mansfieldians from the 327 infected ones, you get 175 fellow citizens who today could pass the virus to other citizens. All 175 would have been told to quarantine completely at home with no contact with anyone. This 175 is higher than last week's 124. As Mansfield numbers are still increasing, experts suggest there are an unknown number of undiagnosed cases walking around town, able to infect others with no symptoms, most not knowing that they have it. Looking at the nine deaths we have had in Mansfield since mid-April, about half are people in their 80s, Two were in their 70s, one each in their 60s and 40s. About two-thirds of them are men, and most had underlying health problems, pretty much the same kind of ratios that we see in the county at large. 
In the words of Tarrant County Judge Whitley, Governor Abbott, and Vice President Pence, when you are out and about, keep your distance from other people and wear a mask. Wash your hands a lot, and if you are old or sick, stay at home as much as you can. These are pretty much the only tools we have to stop the epidemic until we get a vaccine. Today, we have not yet put the brakes on in Tarrant County or Mansfield. These reports for about Mansfield are prepared using daily reports from Tarrant County, as that is where most of us in Mansfield live. Tarrant County has a strong public health department, and it's working hard to contain the epidemic and keep us informed. You can see the daily numbers and trends for yourself on the county website. The city of Mansfield also extends into nearby Johnson and Ellis counties to the south and east. And my reports have omitted these small number of cases reported separately from Tarrant County. To date, there have been 11 additional Mansfield residents who live in Ellis or Johnson County who have each had the virus and have since recovered. Neither county has reported any deaths in Mansfield. Interesting facts. Populous counties in Texas have the resources to maintain a permanent staff to manage public health, and this is working really well in Tarrant County, where they've added additional resources to help the now overworked public health staff. Many rural Texas counties, like Johnson and Ellis, do not have these resources and depend on the state to help in these extreme circumstances. Their county emergency management offices are the voice of public health for their county judge. Each county's county judge is responsible for management of the emergency and interpretation of state directives on behalf of their citizens. The state of Texas is working hard to provide necessary support to these counties, including this kind of reporting and support for local testing. Where rural counties have severe outbreaks, the state of Texas sends a public health strike force to provide enough skilled help to manage the local epidemic. This is an unprecedented mobilization, Texans helping Texans, in a unique crisis. Reporting from the Science Desk at About Mansfield, I'm Dennis Webb. As the search for Mansfield's next city manager begins, the city council is seeking input from the community via an online survey. The responses submitted to the Community Survey for Mansfield City Manager search will provide to council information about what is important to residents when it comes to the person leading city operations. The council plans to hire a new city manager by August 31st, with a start date of October 1st. The deadline to offer your input is Thursday, July 9th at 10 p.m. To access the survey, log on to our website, aboutmansfield.com, and click on the Links tab. Early voting for the primary runoff continues through Friday in Mansfield. The Democratic ballot has two races, Mary Hager versus Royce West for U.S. Senate, while Roberto Alonso takes on Krista Castaneda for Railroad Commissioner. The Republican ballot has just one race. Elizabeth Beach is running against Brian Walker for Justice, 2nd Court of Appeals, District Place 7. Early voting takes place at the Mansfield Sub-Courthouse, located at 1100 East Broad Street, again through Friday. Election Day is Tuesday, July 14th. Tarrant County has put together a list of suggestions on how your surroundings can be mosquito-free this summer. About Mansfield's Robbie Terry has the story. It's an all-familiar summer sound in Texas. Even the most unexpected places can become breeding grounds for mosquitoes and the illnesses they carry. Tarrant County Public Health and county officials are asking for your help to protect our community and to do your part to help Tarrant County be mosquito-free by following a few helpful tips. 
To lessen the probabilities of mosquito bites, Tarrant County Public Health recommends that you wear long sleeves and pants when outdoors, use EPA-approved insect repellent, keep your vegetation trimmed, and eliminate breeding grounds by dumping standing water that can collect in clogged rain gutters, emptying drain pans underneath landscape pots, sweeping along the curb for standing irrigation or rainwater, and checking your water meter or irrigation box for standing water. There is no way to predict what any mosquito-borne illness season will be like. Studies and research continually prove that the most effective, most practical, and least expensive means of preventing such illnesses is to keep mosquitoes from breeding where possible, and that people keep themselves from being bitten by mosquitoes through the use of repellent and by wearing appropriate clothing when outdoors. Reporting for About Mansfield, I'm Robbie Terry. A new study published out of Australia has shown that a dog's unconditional love teaches its owners about responsibility and may help children benefit from better social and emotional well-being. The study was published Monday in the journal Pediatric Research. The research team questioned 1,600 parents with preschoolers between the ages of 2 and 5 and asked them how often their child participated in walks or actively played with a dog. The study also found that children who played with their dog more often were more likely to engage in considerate behaviors than those who played with their dogs less frequently. A win-win for both the owner and the dog. So how do you go about adopting a dog? About Mansfield reached out to Mansfield Animal Care and Control Manager Lori Strittmatter. Currently, it's a little different just because of the whole COVID thing. So basically, if you see a dog you're interested in, whether it be online or next door or whatever that it's posted on, you can come up and if the dog is available... Then we'll take you outside to meet the dog. And then if you decide that you would like to adopt it, there is a $70 adoption fee, but that covers their spay or neuter surgery, which would have already been done prior to uh, the adoption. They're current on all of their first set of yearly vaccinations, including rabies. We do a 30-day heartworm preventative on them if they're an adult um, we also do a 30-day flea treatment on them, um, as well as any medical care that we were aware of prior to. So if they were injured when they came in, if they were sick when we they came in, we've covered that, and that's not passed on to the adopter. We do take surrenders for citizens of Mansfield. There is a fee, a, a small fee, to surrender a pet to us. It's $30. A lot of people don't realize to, we're here to help. So if you bring a dog in because, say, your situation's changed and maybe it's because you can't afford the dog food or you can't, you know, afford for the dog to keep having puppies or whatever, we do try to help with that. So if that's the reason you're surrendering, we'll give you the dog food or we'll have your animal fixed for you if that's the thing. Whatever we can do to try to keep them in their own home. For more information on adopting a dog, you can contact Mansfield Animal Care and Control at 817 276 4799. Again, 817-276-4799. Friday is National Teddy Bear Picnic Day. Let's find out if Mother Nature is going to allow us to take Teddy to the park. Alexa? For the next seven days, Wednesday, 95 degrees Fahrenheit and partly sunny weather. Thursday, 96 degrees and mostly sunny weather. Friday will be a perfect day to take your Teddy to the park. 98 degrees and mostly sunny weather. Saturday, 103 degrees and lots of sun. Sunday, 106 degrees and lots of sun. Monday, 102 degrees and partly sunny weather. Tuesday, 
102 degrees and lots of sun. The Tarrant Regional Water District recommends that you not water your lawn this week, thanks to the rainfall we experienced on Monday. The use of a rain gauge can help measure the amount of water your lawn receives naturally, which can help you calculate how much water your lawn needs. For more watering and irrigation tips, log on to waterisawesome.com. That's a look at news and weather. If you have a news tip that you would like us to follow up on, send us an email to news at aboutmansfield.com. Again, that is news at aboutmansfield.com. And speaking of news, I'd like to take a minute to introduce and thank our all-volunteer news team, who are also Mansfield residents. Colleen Daniel has been our co-host since February after working many years for the Mansfield News Mirror newspaper. Among her many tasks at the paper, her two most notable non-byline features were the person on the street question of the week and the highly popular police blotter. Stacy Mayne is a general reporter who joined about Mansfield about a month ago after a 20-year career at CBS 11 News. Dennis Webb is our roving science reporter. He not only states the facts when it comes to COVID-19, but also breaks down the science behind the virus. You may recall that Dennis was an in-studio guest on About Mansfield in June on episode 24. Webb worked for NASA for 36 years, and it is a delight to have him reporting for us. Robbie Terry is a general reporter and our intern who brings an energetic youth and enthusiasm to the show. He voices one news story per show, then puts on his post-production hat and edits the About Mansfield audio. At 18 years old, Robbie just graduated from Pantego Christian Academy, where he excelled in theater and music. It will be a bittersweet day when we lose him to UNT this fall, where he will study media broadcasting. That's the About Mansfield News team, all Mansfield residents reporting Mansfield News. When we say that we are Mansfield's only source for news, talk, and information, we mean it. Thank you, team. Just a reminder to follow this podcast so you will be automatically notified when a new episode is released. The easiest way is to log on to our website at aboutmansfield.com and enter your email address under the Follow Podcast by Email heading on the homepage. And if you own an Amazon device, listening is as easy as saying, Alexa, play the About Mansfield podcast. You can also ask Siri to play the About Mansfield podcast on Apple devices. Coming up after the break, part two of our in-studio interview with Mansfield Heritage Foundation President, Dr. Christopher Ohan. Stay with us. I'm Steve Casillo with Colleen Daniel and the entire news team. This is About Mansfield. It has literally carved the landscape of the planet itself. Yet beyond its beauty and its grace, it is essential to life itself. Water, it's awesome. Enjoy it, just don't waste it. Visit waterisawesome.com. In 1999, Mansfield Cares was founded to be the safety net for those in need in our great city. Mansfield Cares built the first free medical dental eye clinic and the warehouse that is home to the only food bank in Mansfield. Our city's seven food pantries, Feed the Kids program, Back to School Bash, and college scholarships have all benefited from Mansfield Cares. Become a part of Mansfield's safety net. Donate today at mansfieldcares.org. That's mansfieldcares.org. Hi, I'm George Strait. We all know that being Texan means being friendly. And as we open Texas back up, it's important that we stay extra friendly by thinking about all our fellow Texans. 
So go on, write this down. Take a little note to remind you of these friendly things you can do to help defeat COVID-19. Wash your hands regularly, wear a face mask, and stay six feet apart from others in public. Let's show the world what it means to be Texan by staying safe and staying friendly. Welcome back to another segment of About Mansfield. Today, we present part two of our interview with Mansfield Heritage Foundation President Dr. Christopher Ohan. In this segment, we'll cover the removal of Confederate statues and how to make change in public school history books. Let's get right into it. As a historian, what is your position regarding the removal of statues that are commemorating the Confederacy or Confederate leaders? Let me kind of approach that from two different perspectives. Uh, I'm a medieval historian by trade. Hang, hang on. Define a medieval historian. Uh, the best kind of historian. No, <laughs> we, um, we castles, crusades... Uh, when when we don't have very many sources, sure, and so we get to fill in all the gaps. That's why medieval history is so rich, and there's so many docudramas and things like that about it. Um, but I, I I teach the era in which the the bubonic plague or the Black Death occurred in the mid 14th century, so right right about 1347 through 1352, and yeah, I'm struck with similarities um, because during that time period there were protests. Uh, particularly of the lower classes, the disenfranchised uh, individuals. And if there's anyone in history that has reason to complain, um, it's medieval peasants. They, they were serfs, if you know that term, a sure. medieval term. Um, so they had very few rights. They couldn't leave the land. They were basically property of the land itself. Um, not exactly slaves, um, and they had every reason to complain, rebel, etc. But for centuries, there were very few examples of rebellion until the Black Death hit. And I think what the Black Death, or what any pandemic does, is it reduces us to the, sort of the, the lowest common denominator, and that is everything else in our lives, and I think we've all seen this as the pandemic has happened, uh, has been reduced to survival. Right. Um, do I need toilet paper to survive? You know, I, I, I need food. I need to wear the mask in the grocery store. I'm not going to work. I've lost my job. How am I going to survive? And so it, it reduces us uh, to the things that I think are essential. And I think it did the same thing in the bubonic plague era in, in the 14th century, where you had these peasants say, because of fear, I mean, there's a lot of fear with any pandemic, uh, we're not taking this anymore. And you address wrongs that you otherwise would have seen ignored. Yeah. Um, and the, the best example is over the past, well, there's a couple of good examples. Um, we've seen videos of uh, African-Americans uh, having things happen to them by the police. And we get upset. And this never will happen again. And then it leaves our memory. And it happens, it happens again. again. But in this moment... There's this attitude where we've reduced ourselves to this, this sense of the basics of life. We're not going to let this go. This is something that we can change. And I think we see the same thing with the removal of the Confederate statues. It's been an issue over the past few years. And it's coming to a head now where you have mayors and governors doing things that are sort of operating outside the law in certain cases, where they're just taking matters into their own hands and removing the statues. But my, my take on the statues, 
as a historian, because sure. I hear people say all the time, oh, you're taking away the history. Well, you know what? You're not taking away the history. There, the, the history books will not change. There's not going to be any, if there's anything in the history book, it's going to, going to be that in the year 2000 or the decade leading up to the 2000, a lot of these statues were removed. But in no way is Jefferson Davis, for example, going to be removed or the Confederacy going to be removed from a history book. And I think the perspective that we need to have is that a statue is commemoration. Right. We it, It's a place of honor, a place of memorial, and there is no country on earth that commemorates a power that you went to war with. I've heard people say just over the past few weeks, you don't go to, to, to Germany and find statues of Hitler. You don't go to, you, right. you don't see that sort of thing. We commemorate the things that we want to esteem. And so putting a, a Confederate statue in a place of honor, a place of esteem, it does send the wrong message. And I think it's, it's part of the American experience and part of any historical experience to come to terms with one's past. So that's commemoration. Then there's memory, how we remember. Um, if we have statues of Confederate leaders in parks, it says something about how we remember because we're giving them that esteem. We're giving them that honor. Um, I was raised by a woman, a wonderful woman, who was a Southerner, and save your conf Confederate bonds, the South's going to rise again. And, you know, this sense that it's just part of our culture, it's just the way it was, without ever saying it was wrong. Um, and so how we remember is another aspect of that. But then the final thing is history. And like I've already said, the history is not going to change. Oh, yeah. um, it's simply us coming to terms with our past. And if I can bring this full circle, this is what I believe uh, some of the members of the community in Mansfield need to do. The idea of talking about these things is fundamental to moving past. If we're going to ever get rid of ideas of racism uh, and discrimination, the first thing, the very first thing that you need to do to resolve any conflict is to talk. And there's no better way. And th that's what history is all about. History is a conversation about the past. I had members of the Historical Society tell me, Chris, you're bringing up things that we don't talk about. But talking is a way of making sure you don't make those mistakes again. Exactly. And, and the last time, you, when, when people come to me and they go, well, you're uh, removing these statues is, is erasing history. I always ask them, so when's the last time you specifically got in the car to go to a park in Dallas to go see a Confederate statue? The fact that they've removed it, are you going to miss it because it's no longer there or because you never went to Dallas in the first place to go see a Confederate statue. Mm -hmm. It can wind up in the museum. It's going to wind up in the history books. They're already in the history yep. books. The fact that it's no longer there does not erase history. Exactly. Moscow, if I can bring up Moscow again, there is a park in Moscow right downtown. Uh, it's a great place to visit when you go there. It's behind the new Tretyakov, if I could plug a good museum. Um, and it's, it's called the Park of the Fallen Heroes. And what they did in Moscow is they assembled all the old statues of Lenin. Most of them. There's still a couple that are in, in, on site. All the old statues of Lenin and the Soviet leaders, communist you know, intellectuals, what have you, marked lots of statues of Marx. And they just put them in one park. Yeah. They're, they're, they're fully standing. You know, they haven't had faces or anything chopped off or graffiti. And people go there with the sense of 
this is a part of our history that we recognize happened, but it's, it's now in the context of we made the wrong decision. And so if anyone's looking for a place to put these things, a museum would be great, but there's probably too many of them for a museum. <laughs> so, you know, if a city has a big park, they could get a good crowd of people all the time because that that museum is always uh, that park in Moscow is always crowded primarily foreigners that want to go there and see all of those statues but they're in they're in a context yeah. and I think that so they're remembering it differently they're they're in a way they're commemorating it but they're commemorating it in a way that says this is a part of our past that we're not we're not happy with we've done better and I think we could do the same thing you're an educator, you're a historian, and let's let's talk about educational books here in Texas. So this, this came up when I interviewed a, the the organizer of the march of the which was led by the high school students. And she said that in school, Texas history is a requirement, but black history is an elective. And when I took that comment to my educator wife, who also has PhD after her name, she said there should not be black history in school. It should be history. And black history should be included in that. Your thoughts on that and 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 how do you how how do you make change? Well, I agree with your wife. Um, the, the history should be the story of all of us. Yes. It should not be the story of just some of us. Now, granted that there's there's history that's slanted one direction or the other, and I think there's a place for black history, women's history, Mexican-American history. Um, I don't have a problem with specialized courses that deal with particular groups, sort of crossing into even sociology. Sure. But um, I think when a student in a high school class is taking a history class, sort of a generic, here's what we want you to know as a Texas high school graduate, then it needs to be inclusive. Uh, one of the issues that Texas faces is the people that determine what's in the textbooks because they get it gets reviewed and it's not always the people that serve on that board are not always professional historians right. or academics and that disturbs me because you have people that have agendas a historian any academic their goal is to be objective and we try the best that we can to be objective and i think if texas wants to to improve the situation, then at, at, at the state level, they need to reform the, the, the way they pick the textbooks. So bravo to the, the student that, that, you know, saying, why can't we take a black history course? That starts the conversation. And hopefully the conversation will circle back around to, well, if you're saying that this is a black history course and this is Texas history, then you're saying Texas history is a white course. Right. And it shouldn't be, as, as, as your wife implied, it should be a history about all of us. And Texas is such a rich place. There's so many stories to be told. This is usually part of the interview where I ask if you've got anything to plug and and how can people get a hold of you. But are you an author? Do you have a book to sell? Or I do don't have just... a book to sell. But, but <laughs> keep, a... keep looking at my name. I will uh, <laughs> at some point. Um, I, th I think a lot of us academics right now are kind of afraid. I think our whole society is a bit fearful of what the future holds because we're starting a school year and we don't know the format. We don't know the modality right. and whether or not we're going to have students uh, on the college level. Well, and that's what my wife's working on right now. Several hours a day since spring break mm -hmm. and working at home, 
trying to figure out what's what's UTA going to do. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll plug my institution because uh, Texas Wesleyan is small enough, and we're I had a uh, these endless virtual meetings. I had one this morning, and we're planning on how do we social distance and bring students safely back to campus uh, for at least you know part of the time. And so we're working on that, and it's it's kind of scary, but um, I think. The, the good thing about if you look over the scope of human history, human beings are very resilient. I have no doubt that we'll come out of the higher education will come out of this, maybe winnowed down a bit, but stronger. And I also think our society, particularly with this topic we've been talking about, um, with these these issues bubbling up to the top where they've needed to be so that we can talk about them and deal with them. I think American society will be changed and will be better as well. Chris, you've given us stuff to uh, to think about. And we appreciate you being on About Mansfield. Thank you. Dr. Christopher Ohan has been our guest. He's the president of the Mansfield Heritage Foundation in, uh, in Mansfield, Texas. Uh, again, appreciate you being on the show. Thank you. We'll be right back. Hi, this is John with Pool Aid, your local pool care specialist. With the exceptional amount of rain that we've experienced so far this year, spring is a vital time to clean pool filters, skim leaves and debris, and keep skimmers clean to ensure proper circulation as well as keep your pool sweep in good working condition. If you have any questions or concerns or need a certified professional to help keep your pool safe and clean, visit us on the internet at PoolAid.net. That's PoolAid.net. We're here for you. Hey everyone, Nolan Ryan here. As we open Texas for business, we all need to work together in the fight against COVID-19. As Texans, we need to be responsible. We need to be smart. So when you leave the house, don't be a knucklehead. Wash your hands, socially distance yourself from others, and wear a mask. Do the right things. Look out for your fellow Texans, and together we'll make it through this. We welcome all feedback about the program, whether it's about a news story or a special feature that you heard. Feel free to chime in by sending us an email to comments at aboutmansfield.com or by voicemail at 817-435-2938. That again, 817-435-2938. We will read or play back some of the comments in a future episode. Congratulations to Lori Noe, who was the first person to email the correct answer to last week's trivia question. What are the names of the eight replica ballparks at Big League Dreams? According to the City of Mansfield website, the eight are Crosley Field in Cincinnati, Boston's Fenway Park, Rangers Globe Life Park in Arlington, Sportsman's Park in St. Louis, Chicago's Wrigley Field, and New York's Ebbets Field, the Polo Grounds, and Yankee Stadium. Lori has won a $25 gift card to 360 Brunch House. After the break, this week's trivia question of the week. I'm Colleen Daniel, and this is About Mansfield. Meet Keith, loving dad, board game champ, bus driving pro. I drive 65,000 miles in my bus each year. If people knew what I know, lives could be saved. Like how there are some things I simply can't see. On my route the other day, a car tried to sneak past me and ends up right in my blind spot. I turned slowly, so I accidentally avoided. But no car should be in the blind spot for a 40,000-pound bus. It's It's our our roads. It's It's our our safety. safety. Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. 
It's time right now for the highly coveted, wildly popular trivia question of the week. The first person to email the correct answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com will receive a $25 gift card to 360 Brunch House, serving breakfast for the neighborhood. Located on Broad Street in the shadows of Newsom Stadium, you can find them on the internet at 360brunchhouse.com. Let's get to this week's question, Colleen. Well, Steve, most Mansfieldians know that the city of Mansfield is split between three counties. The majority lies within Tarrant County, with the remainder in Ellis and Johnson counties. This week's question is, which county contains more Mansfield real estate, Ellis or Johnson? Email your answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com. Again, which county contains more Mansfield real estate, Ellis or Johnson? Good luck, and thanks to Nick and Al at 360 Brunch House for the gift card. Coming up next week on About Mansfield, it's our usual array of news, talk, and information. We also have an in-studio interview with Mansfield resident Chris Jenkins, owner of Lame Horse Instruments. The show will be released on Wednesday, July 15th. Until then, don't forget to follow this podcast if you haven't already, so you never miss an episode. It's free and it's easy. Just enter your email address on our website, aboutmansfield.com. We will never send you any spam. We promise. Thanks for listening. For Colleen Daniel and the entire news team, I'm Steve Casillo, and this is About Mansfield.